This is the On All Cylinders Podcast. Powered by Summit Racing. Your hosts for today are Summit Racing's Al Noe and Brian Nutter. With special guests, Power Nation's Pat Topolinski and Frankie Foreman. Here we go. I'm Al Noe with Summit Racing, joined by my good friend and co-worker Brian Nutter. And today we have some amazing guests on our show. The hosts of Engine Power, Pat Topolinski and Frankie Foreman. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really, really appreciate your time. Thank you. We're uh, we're excited to be here. I don't know if I've ever done one of these before. I have not, but this is <laughs> going to be fun for sure. So before we get into talking about all kinds of project stuff, Pat, we got to talk about the project that I don't know if it's been on the show or not. I don't remember seeing it. The mini bike project. <laughs> oh, no. Let's talk no. about your psychotic no. mini bike project well, that you're working on. That, that's what happens when uh, you love engines, and uh, uh, that that was just an evolution of something where it all started out where I uh, I have I live out in the middle of nowhere, and I have some land, and I, I, I didn't want to walk up a couple of hills, and uh, I said, well, you know, I'm going to go get a mini bike, right? You know, you could easily get a motorcycle or something like that, but I bought a mini bike, ubiquitous, you know, Coleman. CT200EX. And uh, lo and behold, there's a lot of aftermarket support for the engine and the bike itself. But uh, being an engine guy, I start digging in the engines. This thing makes, you know, five horsepower. So we can't have that. This thing goes 19 miles per hour and it's governed at 3,400 RPM. What am I going to do with that? You know, so I uh, start digging into it and there's a, there's a couple, there's a lot of good resource for parts. And there, there's a local place here was looking through their stuff. And I said, what can we get for this thing? Well, evidently you can get rods, pistons, cams, everything for it. So I, I, I pulled this engine apart and uh, these, these engines are, it's, you know, 212 CC. Basically it's a, it's a clone of a, of a Honda GX 200. And uh, so I just do normal engine guy stuff to it. Right. So uh, I jumped the compression up four points and I put a big cam in it and I port the cylinder head and I put springs in it and I put rocker arms on it and a billet flywheel and all this crazy stuff and uh, put it back on the, on the bike want a quick change rear spool for it so I can change gear. And so went from the, you know, 52 rocket down to a 42. And now the engine makes significantly more power. I don't know. It would never, never dynoed it. There are some places where we can get these things dynoed, but uh, I went from a 19 mile per hour mini bike to a 70 mile an hour mini, mini bike. <laughs> and and I, I need to do that. Like I, I need a hole in the head because I'm, as I get older, I'm a little bit more fragile than, than I was when I was in my twenties. But uh, now this engine, you know, it turns 9,000 RPM and uh, probably makes in the neighborhood of 15 to 17 horse. I, I, I'm, I need another hobby because I'm going to hurt myself. Because uh, It's funny, Pat. I've got a good friend, uh, Brian, Brian Downard at Low Car. We'll give Brian a shout out. You need to go to Bonneville with us because Brian is determined that he's got a mini bike that he's going to try to break the uh, record at Bonneville. So maybe there's a, uh, a two mini bike shootout that we got to do and drag both of them out there. If I hear mini bike and records and Bonneville all in the same yeah. sentence. Uh, that, that sounds like a, I need to be involved in that somehow. So. Yeah, the land speed stuff is something that you and I actually did a little bit of that. Yeah, we did. It was awesome. The best part about this is when Frankie came to work here, he got all sucked into this as well because I was talking about my mini, my mini bike and he's yeah. like, ah, why would you want to have something like that? And, uh, <laughs> and so then we went to an event and I brought it with us. He wrote it and then you tell him well, what happened. See, the thing is when I moved here, because now I'm, I, I had a garage when I was at school. We rented a house and had, had a garage. So I was able to do some stuff. I had a car and all that. I sold all that before I moved down here. So now where I live, I have like a really small, barely one car garage in this place I rent. So I need something. Need basically needed a hobby, but I need to downsize my hobby. And so I actually rode his mini bike and I, I've had motorcycles and stuff growing up. So I rode his mini bike and I was like hooked. It got me. And so uh, he was talking about it one day and I said, how much do you want for your mini bike? <laughs> so I actually bought his mini bike 
eight hours later, he texts me and says, hey, can you go pick up this mini bike at Walmart? And he got himself a new one. Yeah, I, I was without a mini bike project because I was thinking, well, you know what? I'm, I'm, I don't need to be doing this really. Frankie, you know, he wants something to do. So I, I sold it to him. And literally, I, I, it was about an eight-hour stretch where I didn't have one. I'm like, I can't have that. So I got another one. And so I got, I got version two now. So and, and with engines and parts and stuff like that, you know, I, I could probably put more put that money into my car and, and have as much or more fun. But it's mini bike stuff. It's easy. It's fun. The great thing about working on an engine like that, if someone wants to work on an engine, I, I tell this to people, and they're intimidated by like a V8 or a V6 or an inline or whatever, if you want to get comfortable working on engines, get you a small engine. It's all the same stuff in a big engine. It all does the same thing. All the science is the same. All the theory is the same. Everything works the same. It's just one, and you can literally do it in your kitchen or in your living room or you should probably not, maybe not do that. But, uh, <laughs> but if it, it fits on a bench, there's not really any special tools you need to assemble it. You know, it's simple. And it's like he said, there's just one of everything. So it's an easy way, relatively cheap, get into it and see if you like it or learn more about it or whatever yeah. you want to do. You know, Hey, Frankie, let's talk about your background. And, and Pat, we'll get to you in a minute, but you've got an interesting background. Tell us about how you got into hot rods and how, how did you get to being on the show? Well, it's a pretty simple story, but so growing up, I actually was not into cars at all. None of my family's into cars. Nobody in my family's a gearhead. We're actually plumbers. Both my parents are plumbers. We have a plumbing business, and that's what I did just growing up. You know, I worked there, and I had a couple other jobs as well, and that's what I kind of always thought I was going to do. And then I think I was about 14 or 15, just ended up going to a couple car shows and things like that just to hang out, you know, and just kind of fell in love with it a little bit. And it grew and grew. And so eventually uh, I decided I wanted to do something automotive. I didn't know exactly what, but I knew I wanted to do something with cars or vehicles or something like that. So my county has a high school vocational program, basically, with a bunch of different programs. Um, and I ended up doing the diesel technology program there because I felt like that was the one that kind of fit the best. I think I would have enjoyed it the most. And I did. I ended up going there for about a year. Um, and then I ended up taking a little bit of the collision program as well. But from there, it was kind of what am I going to do next? You know, and with my time being in there, I diesel, I felt was a good backup, but I wanted to do something more high performance and more, you know, something to do with hot rods, whether it was racing or building cool cars or building engines. It was something along that line. And so I started looking at schools like where where can I go to get a fast track into the industry, basically. And, you know, because it's a vocational high school, they have people that come in. So I got to talk to a bunch of different reps for different schools. And there's a couple of different options. But I knew that I didn't really want to pay for it per se, or I didn't want to have to dump out a large sum of money. <laughs> yeah, because I'm I'm a cheap, He's I'm a cheap person. Extremely cheap. I am very very cheap. But <laughs> but I, you know that was kind of my goal was to not have to spend a bunch of money or have a bunch of debt. So I ended up competing in. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but Skills USA or Vika used to be Vika, but they're hands-on competitions. Um, so I ended up competing in those, and I made it to the national level for diesel technology. Ended up getting third. And so from that and also a scholarship test that UNOH does, I earned a bunch of money, scholarship money to go to UNOH, um, and it covered a lot of my tuition. So that was kind of the clear choice along with their program. I mean, I went and toured and went through their facilities. They have immense amount of money dumped into their high-performance program to make it one of the best in the country and really benefit the students. And I really, I thought that that was going to be the best choice for me. So I went there and did their, went through their whole program, the automotive and the high performance. And then while I was there, I also joined the motorsports team. They have a motorsports team where they have a dirt team, they race stock cars and uh, UMP mods. And they also have a drag team as well. Around that time, I kind of decided that engines was going to be, that's what I wanted to do. That was going to be the ticket. I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed, you know, the precision of it. 
and time and prep work. And I just really enjoyed that. And then, you know, eventually seeing the end product and, you know, hearing an engine run, everybody loves listening to engines, but having to put in all that time and then at the end, hear it run, see it make whatever numbers it makes on the dyno. I really enjoyed that. So with my time on the team, I started out just like everybody else, you know, sweeping floors, cleaning the bathrooms, cleaning parts, washing parts in the parts washer and stuff like that. And I eventually hung out with the engine. There's a, there's basically a group of guys that built the engines for the team hung out with them enough that I uh, kind of worked my way in there and uh, ended up building the engines for the team. I think that was hugely beneficial for me, just having that experience, being on the team, going racing and being able to get that real life experience, building these engines that go out and race and turn, you know, 8,200 RPM on the track. I thought that was hugely beneficial to me. And then um, I also worked at a body shop while I was in school part-time. So I went to school and then worked on the race team and also worked at a body shop. So when I graduated, Planned originally on going into NHRA, working on a, like a pro sock team or maybe a top fuel team. At the time, everybody had stopped racing. So my plan was just to kind of work at the body shop, wait for everything to come back from COVID-19. And then I ended up actually getting offered this job. So I came down toward the facility, met Pat. I kind of sealed the deal. I mean, I was here for about a day and walk, you know, walking around, talking to everybody and just it kind of sealed the deal for me. And I think it's a, a it's a great job. I mean, I've you know, worked a couple different jobs growing up and stuff. And this one is by far the one I enjoy the most. I mean, we get to have a ton of fun. We get to do all kinds of cool projects. But that's kind of the that's kind of the story. I mean, it's pretty short. But I haven't seen that short. I thought it was pretty <laughs> short. I, I'm not that old, so that's it's you know I don't have like 40 years of experience or anything. But I definitely enjoy what I do now. So Pat, tell us about your time at KB. That's kind of what fascinates me because when I think about professional high-end racing, and obviously we know the folks at KB very, very well, Greg, Jason, now Dallas Glenn, a bunch of great racers that have been able to make horsepower with their team and be, for, for a length of time, they were dominant. Back at the advent of fuel injection and pro stock, they were just so dominant. It was absolutely awesome. And you were a big part of the KB team. So tell us about that. That, that just fascinates me. Yeah, you know, and pro stock was always my my goal in life. Uh, when I was very, very young, living up in northern Michigan, I, I, I come from a place called Boyne Falls, Michigan, right? A town of 300 people. When NHRA would come on TV, pro stock was always my favorite. And, you know, watching all the people, Warren Johnson and Bob Glidden and, and, and guys like that racing, I'm like, boy, I would love to work on one of those cars and build engines for that. So that kind of set everything in motion for Pro Stock when I was very young. So growing up, like in 1989, I worked at a CarQuest and I ran their machine shop. We did, we did everything from single cylinder Tecumsehs to Detroits and everything in between. And uh, it wasn't only just automotive machining and assembly and stuff. We did all the dealership engine work. Um, I filled fire extinguishers. I made bandsaw blades. I made chainsaw chains. Uh, reline brake linings and that I always wanted to do. I said, this, this is going to, this is just experience for hopefully I can get into racing. Well, and up there, not a lot of pro stock racing in Boyne Falls, Michigan. Um, so that's when I went to Samtech. I actually toured the, the facility in 1997. And that's when I met my buddy, Brian Nutter, who I've literally known for 25 years. I, um, I went to Samtech. Actually, I went as a student and I ended up uh, being their general manager and race coordinator, helping them start the race team. So I was there from, I guess it would be 98 to 06. And then in 06, I got an opportunity knowing that pro stock is what I wanted to go to. I, I Being where I was, I met some really great people in, in NHRA. Two of them were crew chiefs for KB. At, at the time, it was Jeff Curley and Rob Downing. I was talking to 
Jeff Purley one day and I said, you know, is there anything that would be um, available in the pits? You know, anybody looking for anybody in pro stock? And he literally said, well, I think we may be looking for somebody. I'm like, well, that wasn't even on my radar. You know, I was hoping just to get in on a team just to get out there and get my feet wet. He says to me, he's like, uh, hey, can you fly out to Seattle, run West Coast Swing? Can you fly out to Seattle and come to the race? Like, absolutely. So I flew out there. They're going to pick me up at the airport. The person who picks me up is Greg Anderson. He's like, hi, I'm Greg Anderson. You know, And uh, I, I fly in there and I, I go in not knowing you know, one end of a pro stock car from another. And I go in there and um, they're showing me all the stuff. And I was talking with, with Jeff Perley, which he did the clutch and transmission. So he's showing me the clutch. He's showing me the transmission. Here's how it comes apart. Here's how it's maintenance. Here's how it's set up. So I, I, I was doing it all with him. And then I did it myself. He's like, okay, now go put it in the car. So I put clutches in the car. So I put it in, got it set up the way it's supposed to be set up with, uh, you know, all your finger rights and things like that. And he's like, all right, it's ready. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, that's a, that's the setup for for Q1. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. I, I've never I've never done anything like that before. He says, well, you didn't do anything wrong, did you? I think so. So car goes out for Q1 the next day with with my clutch set up in it, and uh, I actually built the transmission as well. You know, going through building a Liberty transmission. And showing me how to do it, and then so I built the transmission. Transmission went in. I don't know. I don't. I'm. I'm not a nervous person. I'm really usually pretty calm and uh, pretty much keep stuff together. But I was really. I'm going to say apprehensive when that car dropped the clutch the first time I've ever done. I've done that before. I'm like, what's going to happen? And everything ran. We I, I think we qualified number one or two for that round. And uh, then I did the clutch and transmission the rest of the weekend. And um, at the end of the weekend, we're putting stuff away. Uh, Greg comes out, hey, can we see in the in the lounge? So I go up in the lounge in the KB trailer, and it's like a giant tribunal. It's Ken Black, it's Jason, Greg, it's uh, Rob, Jeff, and they said, hey, you know, we really like you. you. Want to know if you want to come to work for us? And the rest was history. And you know, it, it wasn't even about being an engine guy; it was about being a crew guy. And obviously, um, I'm an I'm an engine guy as well. So when I get to KB, I was driving the the semi as well. I drove Greg's hauler half of 06 season and all of 07 season. Just a side note, Greg is one of the most amazing humans I've ever met in my life. I've never seen somebody so, so passionate, so driven, focused, and uh, I can't say enough good things about him. You know, your story is awesome because when you have an opportunity like was given to you, you got to seize it. And that that is such a cool story. All of a sudden, you're thrown in. You're like, wait, wait a minute. You're going to go run the car? Oh, yeah, no problem. It, it was really surreal. You know, and then as we evolved through, uh, got started in the engine room. I did all the, uh, I, I'm a manual machinist. I can't even spell CNC, let alone turn one on. I'm an old school, you know, etch and sketch on a mill and lathe. So uh, I did all the manual machining there. I did some prototype fixturing and just little things like that. Just uh, there, there's a lot of good guys that work there, but uh, we all had ideas. And I, but I did all the honing. I, I started doing hone development and then we did engine development and I, I ran a Spintron there. We you know worked, worked on development, all, all of us together. And, uh, and uh, so I did a whole bunch of very, very cool things while I was there. And, and you're right. Hearing what you've done for a living, you know, go down a track at that RPM and at that power level, you know, there. I don't know if, if anything's more higher in specific output than an NHRA Pro Stock engine back then. In excess of three horsepower per cube, naturally aspirated, you know, and they turn stratospheric RPM. And now, and nowadays, ten five and uh, you know, in fuel injection, nothing wrong with fuel injection at all. Uh, yeah. It's just if the RPM limit is kind of a tough nut to crack because to get engines to make more power, you got to do a few things. You either got to make them bigger, turn them higher, or do both. Now you have a rule where you can't make it any bigger. Now you can't turn it any higher. So you, that development has to go a completely different direction. 
that's my KV story. I, and I, uh, that was some of the most incredible experiences of my life is being on a race team and uh, being with that caliber team. I was there for three championships. It's interesting because also you were the crew chief for the, what was it, the 79 Malibu of Judd's uh, that competed. <laughs> Judd was a big NA guy up until he wasn't, but up until that time, uh, he was he would, he would just be like, you know, there's tons of Juddisms for people that don't know him, but he's like, you know, this is God's given error and that's all you get. You can't force right. it in there. And he was a very firm believer in that NA engine builders had to work hardest and they had, you know, to prove themselves out. And there was pro stock truck, there was pro stock back in the day, and he got you uh into na racing uh with that malibu of yours and how many cubes was that that was 477 inches as a matter of fact i don't even know if you will remember this conversation when we were when we were in the advent of this you know I'm, i was always been an, an, an na guy myself i i, I say if you got to put a power adder on it you, you better start looking at uh you know what you're doing and how you're doing it because I, I think that uh it is it's the most challenging it's the hardest everyone wants to throw the, the turbo or the nitrous or the blower on to make the easy power and there's nothing wrong with that. It, it's, it's as long as whatever people want to work on, I'm, I'm happy with. That's not what I, I love any stuff. But when we did that Samtech engine, I called you and we did a piston for this thing. This was when we put a 927 pin on a, you know, on a four 500 bore. Well, I'm a data. So that was back in 1999. Right. That was a, there was a 477 inch iron core 842 lifter flat tap it 4150 carb. It had a you know big intake on it. That particular engine had to have a GM part number cylinder head, which was back then. I guess, I think it was the old uh, oval. oval yeah, it was, Edelbrock had it, and it's oval port, which is it used to be like the thirty three ninety. That particular engine, we you know we developed that at Samtech, and and a whole group of people worked on that. Judd, myself, back in the day, um, our our cylinder head instructor, one of the smartest cylinder head guys I've ever met in my life. His name is Greg Good. We know Greg. Yep, dude, sure do. Uh, it was weird because I. I'm working with all these essentially geniuses, you know, with Judd and with Greg, Casey Snyder, you know, and, and yep. guys like this. And these, these guys are, this is what they do. So we developed this engine and this was a flat tap at 842 lifter, conventional big block Chevy had to deal with a 4150 on it. That engine back then made 806 and uh, we turned it 9,000. And this was in 1999, you know, and this is an NA engine. So that, that's a good engine by today's standards. And we also did that with NMRA stuff. We did, we did some small block Ford stuff as well. And that, that was the evolution. The 79 Malibu, that was kind of my, my pet project because that car, it was like a big bulldozer and it still is the easiest driving drag car I've, I've ever driven. That was a 3,600 pound car with a comp TA drag radial. Back then it was a 275 TA drag radial. Wow. And that, that car would go 960s at 140 at 3,600 pounds. Wow. This was in 1999. That's when Frankie was born. <laughs> that, that car was smooth, though. Um, you know, with the students and everybody uh, working on it, the suspension was good. It wasn't anything trick. Um, we had some, it was a conventional suspension, with, had some Hodgkin's bars on it, had an airbag in one side, it had some coilovers on it. Nothing, nothing trick. Had a big old one and a quarter inch ATR sway bar, which is uh, that you, you could take your hands off the wheel and launch a car, and the car would just go straight forward. Unbelievably nice. And, and the, back then, even with the flat tap stuff, it, it would go 960s at 140 on a radial naturally aspirated. So when, when everyone talks about how fast their, their cars are with everyone like, well, yeah, my whatever, whatever with this giant turbo does that. I'm like, yeah, I, I understand, but it's more satisfying to do it, uh, you know, with naturally aspirated. So Pat, how did you get the engine power? This, this is a, this, this is where we all intertwine here, Al. When I was at KB, uh, 
Jason Line had this Biscayne wagon. Summit obviously involved with, with KB. Summit obviously involved with, with RTM. RTM came there because Greg and Jason built an engine for the, for the Biscayne in, in conjunction with Summit. And they came to our shop. And that was when uh, Joe Elmore was was here. Uh, Joe's my buddy. Uh, he's, 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 a, he's a good dude, man. He's a lot of fun to work with. But Joe was there when they had the Biscayne finished. And we, we dynoed the engine and all that stuff. And then it came back later when we ran the car off the track. But when we were there, boy, this, this was probably 2007, 8, 9, somewhere in there. Joe says, hey, I, I know you're having fun and doing all this stuff in Pro Stock, but would you ever consider coming, you know, doing some TV stuff? And I, I was like, nope. <laughs> I said, you know, my my goal, my goal in life as a as a young child was to work in pro stock, and I and I'm doing it. I'm you know I'm living the dream, and I don't know if I can get any better. But but you know, thanks. But uh, you know, I'm 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 okay right here. But uh, still keep watching because I, I the funny thing is when I'm building transmissions on Sunday morning, I was watching which back then was horsepower, you know, and so it'd be on when I'm when I'm doing my work. So I always watch. But uh, uh, 2014, we did some uh, driveway rescue stuff. And um, they came into North Carolina. We did some stuff and um, came back and I got a call and I got the, I got another job offer and uh, they offered me a job again. I spent a 45 minutes on the phone with uh, the you know, owner of the company at the time, Joe St. Lawrence. He's like, hey, I, I, I think uh, no, no jobs utopia, but I, I think you'd think this was really cool and explained it to me. And I said, uh, I'm in. So here I am. And I, I came in, uh, I came in, in in 2014 and um they're going to have to burn the building down to get me out of here now because I work at Disneyland. <laughs> so. so you have a ton of different engines, you know, that you've done over the years. And you have a lot of fans that just love all these eccentric engines that you guys do. <laughs> you know, you just are doing things with engines that have never been done before. Maybe an engine that nobody's created new parts for it for 30 years because it kind of went extinct. And you bring this thing back to life and throw modern tech at it and achieve crazy things with it. In today's world, you know, a lot of people are quick to LS swap stuff. But I think like some of the oddball stuff we do is still, I think it's still really relevant because I think someone who, you know, has a cool project car that maybe they're not trying to, you know, go racing or anything like that. They just want something cool. You know, if they can make decent power and maybe modernize an engine, and which is what we try and do on a lot of older stuff, if they can do that and make good power with it, I think they're still more inclined to do that than try and just swap, you know, maybe swap an LS or a newer power plant into it. Like a great example is our Ford 300 inline six. Like a lot of, right. a lot of times, you know, in a truck <laughs> or something like that, the big thing would be to swap in a small block Ford. But if you can make a, a Ford 300 with mostly stock bottom end, you know, and a nice, put a nice piston in it, have a nice ported head and a nice intake, and it makes 278 horsepower NA, cool. or you can put a turbo on it and make 522 and 598 pound feet. I think that is just as appealing to somebody than to just swap a coyote or a small block Ford. That that engine right there, that's a that's that was that was both of our pet projects. We we both really liked that platform. And I again, if you talk about requests of what people want us to do, that's always in the in the top three. I, I think everyone that this gets like kind of like six degrees of separation. Everyone's had a, a 300 Ford in their life at some point, yep. right? They're hard to kill. And uh, but this one was something that was can virtually be done to any any one of them yep. and it'll make the same power i mean people were saying oh this thing's gonna do this or it's gonna do that but uh we, we pretty much knew what it was gonna make with because it's it's not rocket science <laughs> it, it is science so because yeah. it's x amount of cubic inches x amount of pounds of boost mm-hmm. and you know how much air is going through it and how big is a cam and 
basically you can get it really close on how much power it's going to make if you know aspects and details of what you're putting together. So uh, yeah. that was a, that was extremely fun. We were yeah. very uh, we were very happy to do that. Yeah. We get a lot of questions on that. I mean, we get a lot of questions, a lot of engines, but that one because it it's very popular. We do get a lot of questions on it about the longevity of it. Yeah. And because people were worried about you know how long would it last at 520 horsepower? Like, does it, would it really last that long? And uh, just for reference, we once all our shooting was done, we usually play around with it. And we usually keep them safe, a little bit safer in the tune for you know TV purposes. And then afterwards, <laughs> we sometimes get to play with them a little bit more and crank on them. And that engine has probably at least 30 runs on it, and it ran for about two hours straight on the dyno, you know, idling, making full hits, idle, make a, make full hit for probably two, two and a half hours, probably 30 runs. It still runs like a top. Those are the engines, like we, we call some of them anvils. Yep. That's an anvil right there. And, and, and people, again, if, if you had that at 100% load at 550 horsepower or whatever we're making for 24 hours, would it, would it last? I don't know about that part, but uh, when, when you're talking about longevity, do you drive your vehicle at full throttle, full load all the time? Probably right. not. I mean, this, this thing, if you just drove it like a, a, a normal daily driver, it'll last forever it's got a, the pistons in it, it's got a forged piston out of a mm-hmm. 390 in it you know so i mean boost no problem the, the, the rods and these things are very robust it has seven main bearings i don't think we could ever break wow. it doing what we're doing but i say it's got seven main bearings and it's still a, a stock it's not a forged crank actually it's a, a yeah. lot of people were wondering about that as well it's not even a forged crank it's a stock cast crank stock rods with uh rod bolts in it yeah. and I mean, it, if you just drove it around in a hot rod or something like that, just getting on it every now and then, like it would last forever. What really wrecks engines is being mistuned. You put an engine in yeah. the detonation and, and that, that that's the biggest thing. People don't do themselves any favors when uh, when an engine's mistuned and they're pounding on it. Because that, that's the, the root of almost all evil is the old OE, operator error. Yeah. <laughs> Pat, don't ever look for that extra degree of timing, right? We talked about that yeah. before the show oh, started. I, you know that I've done that probably a hundred times in my life. Not in, in, in hopefully not. We, we've never, we, you know, we, we've, we've had good luck, but uh, there's yeah. always that one more pull. This is one more pull. We're, we're, yeah. we're just going to half a degree. I, I always tell people anything will run. One, if you have uh, you know enough ima- enough imagination and enough money, you know, and, uh, and, and usually the money is a big hinder hindrance there. But uh, um, you can make everything run good. They all will make power and they all break. So you just got to figure out where the weak weak link is and just work from there. And, and there's there's ways of doing things. And and I'd I'd rather be the one to sneak up on it than than to just throw the kitchen sink at it and then have some catastrophic failure and then figure out why it happened. So. Uh, uh, you know, there's there's a methodology to engine building. I wanted to ask you, what is a typical day in the office like for y'all? I'm going to say it's quasi-typical. I get here at like 6.30 in the morning and I, I you know go through my emails and things like that and, and make sure that we I don't have anything that's pressing to deal with. And then we'll come through and, and whatever project we have going, there's always work to be done. I mean, I've been setting bearing clearance at 11.30 at night on a Sunday here because we have to shoot Monday morning. And it's either because of something was, wasn't quite right and we had to fix something or something didn't come in or something was wrong or something didn't fit right or there's a whole bunch of different reasons for that. But uh, by, by 7 o'clock, we're trying to get things going where what are we going to do today? Any given day is different. Some days are planning days. Like I say, we'll, we'll plan different engine projects and we have several different things going at once. Like right now, we have four different projects going right now, aside from the one we're actually shooting for TV. We shoot TV pretty much every day. 
this is like a regular job. We, we, just, we don't like shoot for one hour. and do, we, we pretty much will, when we can, shoot TV five days a week. On average, it takes eight hours to make two minutes of TV. One of the biggest misnomers that we hear sometimes is that, that we have like an unlimited amount of time. And that's actually <laughs> farther from the truth because in a year, you have so many episodes that need to get done. And like he said, 80% of our work is done off camera. So it's, all, you know, it's shoot one thing. And then sometimes you have to do three other things before you can shoot another. So there's a lot of work that goes right. in off camera where you're kind of pressed for time because you're trying to get shows done and get projects done. You know, and like you said, we're doing all the work. It's not, we like to say sometimes you can't build a TV engine because, you know, we dyno our engines again. <laughs> every engine, you know, it's a real engine. It goes on the dyno and it makes those numbers every time. And so there's a lot of work that goes into that. And there's not unlimited time because of what we do. I mean, sometimes we have to shift, but a lot of times, you know, at least for us, it kind of comes down to the wire where it's like, this needs to get done and this show needs to get shot right. so we can move on to the next one. Yeah. And it, it's, it's funny because that analogy I've always used in drag racing, people would come up to the ropes and, and they, boy, I, I love your job. I, I would love to have your job. And I, and I, I would say to them, oh, well, how many hours did you work this week? And they say, man, I worked. 40, 45 hours. I said, well, what did you do after Wednesday? <laughs> so, you know, and, and it, it, the people see like in drag racing, you know, back at KB, they'd see six and a half seconds of your work, which was right. hundreds of man hours. Are all your power block shows in the same building? Yes, we are. We are all in one building. It's kind of like a warehouse. And then each show has their own studio at the back of the building. So like right now we're in the engine power studio. And then if you go through that wall, there's music city trucks and you go through the next wall You'll get to Detroit Muscle and then Carcass is down on the other end from us. But yeah, so we're all into one building and that kind of helps a lot because we do a lot of projects for the other guys and the other guys do a lot of stuff for us. Being under the same building, it's kind of like having one big family, you know, like right. we can all kind of lean on each other whenever we it need it, you know, finishing projects or when we're doing stuff for other people or when they're helping us with some of our stuff, building things for us and things like that. So it's really actually super helpful to have it like that. You don't want me doing body work. I, I, I can tell yeah. you that right now. I, I, the, the artistic side of making something that looks good and do, I, being a machinist, I work in absolutes, right? So body work drives me crazy. And uh, the people that uh, we have, we have extremely talented, extremely talented hosts here. And the, what I love about it is we're not TV people. I know that sounds weird, but we are industry people that have, have shows, right? Jimmy and Jeremy down in Carcass, spectacular fabric. Jimmy's a mechanical engineer. Jeremy ran, you know, worked in, and ran a, a hot rod shop. Brandon and Mark in, in Music City, both extremely talented, you know, from working on trucks, cars, all that stuff. Tommy in Detroit and, uh, and Joel, this is what they do. This is what they love cars. So they, this is what they do for a living. They, if they weren't doing it here, they'd be doing it somewhere else. They, they, they do it for a living. So everyone here, I'm very, very happy to work with a, this is such a talented group of people. Is there any engine project that you guys have ever done? You go, oh, man, I, I don't ever want to see it again. Just get it out of here, you know? <laughs> I don't think we've had anything that like defies logic. When we put an engine together, yeah. even if we don't maybe show it on camera, we will measure and yeah. check and calculate pretty I, much anything we can about the I don't the care engine. what it is yeah. either. It's, it's everything. We're, we, that's, yep. we both have very parallel thinking in yep. that where, again, most of it's off camera. We're like, because if we were just doing something, we need numbers on everything. Yep. And so, and if, if you don't measure it, we like to say you're just guessing. You are, if you don't you actually measure it, you're just guessing. So usually, you know, if we put something together, it has the time and the attention that we know everything about that engine is good to go. 
and we know it's going to, when it gets on the dyno, it's going to perform fine. I, I will ask people that specific question, like, what is this thing, you know, if I'm talking in conversation, what does this have for compression? Oh, it has around, when someone says around in the, in the thing, I'm like, <laughs> Just I, throw I, a dart I, against the wall, right, Pat? I, I don't <laughs> want to ask any more questions at that point, you know, uh-huh. because you're, I, I, the around is not a number that, I, that we like. I, I want to know a specific number, you know, yep. and, and uh, what we do, we just, we measure and document everything. That's, that's the cornerstone of engine building. It's measure, verify. That's, that's how engine building works. It's, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's just good attention mm-hmm. to detail. And, but I can't think I've been, I've been racking my brain. I've been, I've been, we've had some weird stuff, but usually that turns out to be something silly that we've done. We'll go to hook an engine up on the dyno. It's like, wait, why is this, why is this doing this? And then it's, Oh, something silly that we did. That, yeah, you know, either it's something we silly. It's a, it's a, something silly it's a that bad ground, or it's something yeah, like that. Which that's like that. that's everybody's problem. I, and I've, I've been I've been building engines. Oh, I don't know, thirty five ish years professionally, and uh, I can't think of one that I'm like I don't want to see this ever again. Because mm-hmm. at some point, it, now don't not say it didn't start out like that, but uh, <laughs> at some point you just you just have to say, like Patrick Swayze says, you have to see the wave and accept its energy. That, that was from Point Break. <laughs> And, and so, so when an engine does that, you just have to accept what it is and work the best with what you have. And if something that uh, you can make better, do it. But uh, I've never had one where I'm like, I want to take this thing out and, and put it in the field and shoot it with a 50 cal. You know, yeah. I, I, I've never, I've never had that. And, uh, and that's just because of its mindset. You're, 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 you're working on something. Someone's brought it to you because it doesn't work or they want it better. That's your job as an engine builder. So that, yeah. so we, uh, we do what we can to make things better. And uh, for example, that is our Ford 300 right. when it was on the dyno. So it has a, it has a carb hat on top, a pretty decently tall carb hat, which is, uh, you know, feeds it into the Holly sniper on top. And originally, arbitrarily, we had it actually turned 90 degrees away from the front of the engine. It was basically pointing out the right side of the engine. So we're, we're going to make a bang on this thing. And for some reason, it just it seemed like it was falling on its face. And we're just trying to figure out why is this doing this? Why is this doing this? We're trying to do different things. Wasn't That's cooperating. Weird. Yeah, it just really wasn't cooperating. And all it was as simple as taking that carb hat, facing it towards the front, redoing the intake, the intake piping so it, you know, it fit, so it would work, and then make a hit on it and works flawlessly and it's and you know when we're trying to figure it out we're like what is it this doesn't make sense (laughs) but as soon as you do it you go oh that makes so much sense because the way the air enters it has to do certain things with the manifold and things like that the the big thing about this whole business you learn something new every day a person who tells you that they know it all that's the first person you don't listen to i learn something literally and i strive to learn something every day and um there's people that have forgotten more about this than i know and uh, that was the people I, I look to and uh, and draw inspiration from. And if you're if you're not learning, you're 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 not gonna you're not gonna go anywhere. So just keep learning and keep working on stuff, and don't be afraid to work on stuff. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure to talk about great engine projects. Have a Excellent. great rest of your day, guys. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. This has been the On All Cylinders podcast. Powered by Summit Racing. Check out new episodes coming soon at onallcylinders.com. Onallcylinders.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.